We all want to be happier, but how do we get there? First, we start by realizing happiness is not a destination. Being happy consists of micro action steps every single day. I'm your host, Brittany King, and I'm here to guide you along the way. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Positively Real podcast. I am your host and coach, B. King, and I have a very special guest joining us on the show today, another life coach, but I would go a step further and like I would add creative life coach on the top of that because of the mix of what you what you do. So welcome to the show, Morgan. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so excited as well. It's such a pleasure. It is such a pleasure. You know, thank God bless the internet for connecting us. I think that, you know, in our our modern times, it is the best way to connect with people that otherwise you wouldn't know existed in the world. And I'm so glad, like, I, I just believe in the universe bringing people into your life at an exact moment that is necessary. And when I saw your name come across in my inbox and I looked up, you know, who you are and what you're about, I was like done and done. My intuition was like, this is someone that you want to talk to. So here we are, we get to jam out on all things about goals and obstacles and things that stand in our way. And I'm super excited to learn about what you do and how your story has empowered you to do that. So why don't you give a little introduction and let the listeners know who you are and what you're about? Yeah. So, um, hi, my name is Morgan Beard. (laughs) Um, my identity is, is always so in flux and like the titles that we call ourselves, it's always just an attempt to capture like the multitudes. Um, Mm -hmm. but so yeah, I, I call myself a creative life coach, um, because my background is actually in art therapy. I was I got my master's and I was uh, out out of that and working my first job towards becoming an art therapist. Um, and then I burnt out and had one of a long list of personal crises um, and a depressive episodes. Um, just realizing like, this is not what's making me happy. This isn't the kind of work I want to do. I was working at a big nursing home in New York City. And I just felt in my bones, this is not the population I want to address um, this this there's so much need here and it's such a vulnerable population but it's not the population that I'm best suited to connect with because I like stuff like this I like really getting active about helping people and people that are really motivated towards personal transformation because that's how I've been my whole life so um, as I alluded to like mental health and personal development have always been key pieces of my life because I've struggled really hard against these things. I've struggled really hard with um, just maintaining a connection to life and, and wanting to be here and finding a purpose and finding meaningful connections uh, coming out of a very like lonely, isolated, high pressure kind of childhood. Um, and I've also always been a creative myself. Uh, I did a lot of photography, a lot of visual arts, and then most recently I've gone back to my deepest passion of singing and I've started to make music. So I'm now also like 
adding like, okay, I'm, I'm a pop artist now as well. Um, and I'm always going back and forth of like, what's the best way to convey that to people? Like sometimes I'm a healer, sometimes I'm a counselor, sometimes I'm just a human being. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's sort of the basic gist. Oh my gosh. So yeah, you're, you are a pop star life coach. I mean, what a, what a title to wear. That's amazing. And I mean, I'm just so curious about like, do you still do art therapy? So, um, I, I, I still, my work is definitely very informed by what I learned, Uh but it's not, art therapy, it's um, coaching with sort of a creative and flexible and client centric um, lens. Yeah, it's, it's an attempt to reach people that are a little bit more kind of uh, generally high functioning than what I was doing as an art therapist. And I'm a lot more proactive in my approach as a coach, I use myself a lot more and more of like a peer, a mentor, a coach really than than um, okay, I'm the primary point of contact for your mental health and well-being. Um, a lot of my clients also see a therapist in addition to seeing me. Um, but I do find that there's a lot of overlap between therapy and coaching, and especially as so much guidance and support has exploded onto our our blessed internet, as you mentioned before. Like those worlds are really blending a lot, and I think a lot of people. Can definitely benefit from both but there's sort of this in-between space where someone might be struggling and a coach some coaches maybe not quite uh don't have the the training or the background to kind of to deal with that stuff but then on the other side i hear from a lot of people that they're in therapy but their therapists are just kind of tell me about your feelings and they're not pushing you that extra mile and challenging you um, so I like to think that I offer something that's somewhat in between, but I'm not licensed. I don't call what I do therapy because really it's a, it's a different practice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there is a huge distinction and sometimes the, the lines do get blurred and it's, I mean, on the coaching end, it's really easy to be like, this is not my scope of practice, mm-hmm. but it does sound like, because you have that background with the art therapy that you do kind of have this like, uh, this space that not a lot of people have tapped into. And it's so interesting because when I work with clients and, you know, we go over the different areas of their life that they're feeling unsatisfied, creativity is always one of those that are just the lowest of the low and so unfulfilled. And they're always Mm -hmm. so surprised because they'll identify like, I am a really creative person and that's missing in my life. So tell me a little bit about like what creativity has to do with that level of like dissatisfaction in people's lives when they're feeling off balance. I am so glad that you brought this up, especially couching it in the like the fact that it's the bottom rung for so many people because life is creativity. Like when we reproduce another human that is creating, when we get up in the morning and we plan our day, that's creating. Like everything we do comes from this generative, creative energy. And I think a lot of people, what I used to hear as an art therapist a lot was, oh, I'm not an artist. Like I can't paint. I can't draw. I can't do whatever. And a lot of adults have written themselves off 
as I'm not creative or that's not, not part of my life. Yeah. And it's like you're cutting yourself off from life force itself when you mm -hmm. disown that part of yourself. Um, because I think that <clears throat> seeing yourself as a creator is kind of key to doing what you need to do to nourish that energy and that bleeds into everything you do. I mean, cooking, that's super creative. Um, how you choose to move your body for exercise or recreation, that's creative. So I really like to just jump right in to kind of opening, opening up that limiting belief right away of like, we can all create, we all do it. So let's like be in the driver's seat with it and, and fully acknowledge that we have this gorgeous, crazy, weird, wild energy that we can channel into things and we can nurture and nourish. But so many of us are so like, our creativity goes into a job where we're working for someone else, or, you know, we're on this constant treadmill of doing things for other people. And we're not drawing things into ourselves and creating from our center. And I think that that creates like this culture of depletion that a lot of people are experiencing. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And that's often why they end up seeking help because they can't quite put their finger on like what it is. And it is so interesting. Like, why do you think when people hear the word creative or creativity, it instantly goes into like art? Because I, I yeah. totally, I mean, I agree with you a thousand percent. Like we are creators, <laughs> like we are here. And if you can't, if you disconnect yourself from that identity, you can't create the life that you want because you don't identify with it. You're like, I, you like literally cut it off and it right. stops that energy. So why is it that people are always like, they identify creativity with art? Because we, we have this like very narrow definition that gets built in. Um, and then we do this for all kinds of things. And we write ourselves out of uh, identifying as an artist or identifying as a writer or identifying as just really like owning all the shit that we do. Am I allowed to curse? I didn't ask that from the beginning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Big cursor over here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But like it's it's a manifestation of these limiting beliefs and other people's expectations that we've absorbed throughout our life of, you know, when especially when we grow up, like so many people have a story of being in art class and we make something and some teacher or some peer or something judges us and says, you know, this is an art because of X. And then every piece of feedback that we get just narrows and narrows and narrows and narrows our vision for like what is acceptable output. So we, we like we're living in these shackles of like expectations of others and then we fortify around those and create expectations for ourselves that it's just like when you start pulling those threads, it's like, where did that even come from? If you sat a five year old kid down and asked them them about creativity, it's like it's an explosion. Right. And we've lost we've lost connection in some ways with that explosion because people had to teach us how to behave in society. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like we are born with it. And then it's like there is that that switch that happens. I mean, I've definitely caught myself in the past saying that I'm not creative, which is a total lie. 
because I'm incredibly creative and it's just in different ways than like what I have been conditioned to believe is creativity. So with clients, like, especially if that's like what comes up, you know, and you like to like squash that limiting belief right away, what do you do with clients to help them tap into their creativity? Cause I do think I'm almost every time that I work with a client, that is always the most surprising area of their life that they feel unfulfilled by and unaware they see the word and they see and they're like oh my god like that's what's that's what's been missing so where Mm -hmm. do you start with someone that wants to tap back in and and connect back to that part of themselves yeah so uh some of the people i work with primarily identify as artists and maybe they're burnt out or maybe they have writer's block or some kind of other block and Mm -hmm. so you know for them it's getting into their specific art form and and figuring out where that where that block is and how do we restore flow how do we restore like the joy and the pleasure um and the juiciness to this thing that they've tried they've had to like ring out to 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 fit into this like hyper productive capitalist society um and for some people who don't necessarily identify that way it's like let's find the areas where they're already doing it and they're not labeling it that way and they're not um kind of putting their um stamp of like ownership on it like i uh i have a client who like she she loves to garden and it's just something that gives her so much pleasure and she loves to cook and i'm over here going like those are creative forms that I struggle with, you know, everyone has their pockets. Um, And it's like, it's so easy for me as someone who feels someone who who doesn't have that and really admires it to hold up a mirror and show her like, hey, you're already doing this thing. That's amazing. Why not act like it's as amazing as it is? And we'll kind of laugh about it. You know, you, 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 I use humor a lot too, to just kind of like, break the the seriousness or the tension or the barriers of like oh i just realized i've i felt shame about like thinking that that wasn't enough of a something to qualify as a creative output or whatever um and yeah like i said i use myself a lot because i i struggle with all these problems that i'm talking about like i ring myself out in my music and get burnt out and i have to reestablish that flame Um, and so, so often you have to kind of like back into it from a different angle of kind of like, if someone, if someone doesn't feel ignited or passionate or generative or creative, it's like, all right, well, like, let's just get into a play space and find that part of you from which you can reconnect. Cause in my head, I do the same dance of like, I'm not qualified as an artist or a musician or a this or a that. And that's, that's, it's, it's not so much about like, well, how do I solve that or uproot that specific thing? It's like, let me refine that childlike, creative, explosive version of myself that doesn't have the self-doubt. Yeah, that isn't living in that space of not enoughness. Right. Exactly. Like when you when we were younger, we never like we never thought about not being enough. Mm-hmm. And you know, it is kind of this like 
phenomenon that has happened with this unworthiness and the, you know, script that's constantly playing in all of our minds, no matter what we're doing, whether it's creative work or not. Um, But, you know, what have you found to be the most useful or like helpful with your clients to overcome that unworthiness and rewrite the not enough script? Because I notice that with my clients all the time um, when we're setting goals, they set a goal and then they're like, oh, I'm not smart enough to figure that out. And it's just mm. like the instant like dream crusher. Yeah. So how right. do you walk someone through um, overcoming unworthiness? Yeah. So I think the biggest, most impactful way to do this is going through their body and tapping into the deeper intuition that just kind of transcends all that bullshit. Um, And this is actually another way that I get clients to tap into creativity. So I do a lot of guided meditations and visualizations just on the spot, catering it to the feedback that I'm getting from them. I get them into a relaxed state, grounded um, and comfortable and relax them through a connection to their breath, a connection to whatever they're sitting on is supporting them effortlessly without them having to work at it at all. And I think that just talking that talking someone through that slowly gets them to just slow down, remember that they're okay and they're safe in this moment. And then some of the defenses dissolve a little bit. And then this is where I I, their their imaginations lead me and I just, you know, kind of know what the steps are to get there. Um, so it's like, all right, now that we're relaxed, where do you feel tension? So someone might say, I feel pressure behind my eyes or um, I feel tightness in my chest or nausea in my stomach. So, okay. So our, all these things live in our bodies. Like we absorb these traumas. A great book on this because we love tools and takeaways is uh the body keeps the score by bessel van der kolk yeah great book i'll make sure that's in the show notes but totally mind-blowing such a great book and the basic gist really and reading the book helps you really believe it because he's just such an accomplished uh you know physician and clinician um but it's basically saying that you know, our, our bodies store our traumas and store our emotions and it's all interconnected. So that feeling of nausea in your stomach, that's this manifestation of a bunch of criticism you just swallowed. It, these metaphors are very like literal in a, in a weird way. Um, or, you know, someone who has trouble expressing their truth, it's like they feel like they're stuck in their throat. Um, it's it's a never-ending fountain of like amazing richness and and the the visuals that people come up with to describe so i i I really try to get people to describe the specific feeling versus just oh it feels bad okay what what about that feeling lets you know that it's a bad feeling oh okay um it feels like i can't breathe okay that's very clear 
Sometimes I even have people imagine that they're a tiny version of themselves and they go down a little elevator through their spine and like land magic in these school bus status. Exactly. <laughs> but some of my clients are too young to know that reference. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, we got to take Miss Frizzle. We're going for a ride. <laughs> exactly. And that's the humor again. That's the yeah. humor again that just like helps to relax the defenses like, for sure. and transmute some of that tension. Um, but yeah, so like, okay, if you're a small version of yourself and you're in your own throat observing this tension, what do you see? Okay, I see these thick red walls. Okay, what would it be like to approach it and touch it? What do you feel? What do you taste? What? And people get messages and people get visuals and, and senses in their body. And the more that we can kind of get to the core of that, it becomes very clear very quickly, like what all is lodged in there. Um, and just being able to activate being in that, like witnessing mind and being the body experiencing it allows people to uh, develop, first of all, I mean, that's sort of the essence of mindfulness of I'm, I'm observing this thing that's happening. And so, being able to have that reflective distance gives you access to the voice that's saying, I'm hurting, I'm unworthy, I'm all this stuff, but also that deeper wisdom that can sense that there's something else beyond that. It's a really, it's a really freaking cool process to watch and facilitate for people because they unlock their own stuff. And then that's again, where they get into the seat of I'm the creator. Like, I'm not the expert coming in telling them, here's what's happening in your body. Here's how you get rid of it. It's like they unlock their own solutions. It's just giving them like the platform and some of the tools to get them to access that state. I mean, it's the most powerful thing in the world, right? To be able to give people that, that gift of being like, actually, you hold the power to unlock this. Who's going to help guide you there because it is like having that safe space to, to do so and realizing that um, it is totally within their power. And that goes back to being a creator. You know, all of this work just always reminds me of just being a conscious creator of your life. And that is so important to have those mindfulness practices so you can distance yourself enough from the voice so you realize you're not that voice and it gives you the authority and power to ultimately change it. And I love that that's the first thing you do is like get people into their body and help them like uncover because that is our body holds the wisdom. <laughs> our body is the, the, the um, emotions that are stored in there are data. And if we can't get into our body, we are just totally missing out on this information that is going to ultimately help us. Um, I love right. that. And I mean, not only we're missing the information, but those unconscious emotions are running our lives. Like right, right, they are the pilot if we're not observing right. them. A hundred, a thousand percent. Like they are. That's <laughs> like that's what, you know, that's what stops all of us is not realizing that these unconscious patterns are what's driving the vehicle and we're just the passenger, but we kind of just accept it. Um, I was talking to a client the other day who said, you know, before she got into coaching, that was she just kind of accepted that this one area of her life was just always going to be this certain way, which she was fine with because every other area was great. Right. So it's like, no, but there's this unconscious thing that's actually dictating. And so just being able to find that space, I think is so powerful. And I love how you just kind of described and walked through it because a lot of times when you tell people to feel their emotions, they're like, what do you mean? I do feel my emotions, but 
They don't. <laughs> we all like, we're not taught how to do it. We actually have to be walked through it. We have to be in that space. And I know anytime someone's walked me through it, it's been so powerful. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, oh, I yeah. realize how powerful this is. And then being able to do that for others is amazing. Yeah. So do you use, so like, you know, we're really diving into this topic of like obstacles because when it comes to you know setting a goal or having a vision for your life or creating the life that you want, there's always going to be obstacles. And I, I actually love knowing that because when you know, there's an obstacle, that means you can anticipate coming up with a strategy. You can create a strategy before the obstacle happens because there's no such thing as no obstacles. Like life is just one big obstacle course. Right. So, you know, the first obstacle I do believe is that unworthiness. I think the not enoughness, as soon as you set a goal, brain is instantly like, Oh, but you don't know how to do that. And you're not good enough to do it. Who are you to think you can do that? It's like the instant, just like, you know, inner critic trying to keep you safe, but also like kind of mean about it. So as we're like getting into this topic around, obstacles and how to overcome them. Like we, there's the obvious obstacles, right? The more like conscious, like tangible things, um, like certain skills that you need to learn or financial obstacles and family obstacles. But then there's like these little hidden obstacles that people don't realize exist. How do you start uncovering those? Because the more obvious ones make sense, but that's not the one that's, you know, driving the vehicle. It's the smaller hidden one. So where do you start with that? They tend to reveal themselves pretty quick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As you said. Um, So, okay. So let's, let's say that um, someone has the desire to journal more. Pretty basic, pretty good self-expression tool when you're using it regularly or in flow, you can uh understand your thoughts from a more objective place then you can start to be that conscious creator okay seems simple enough right the the external obstacle is like i need some paper i need a pen uh when am i going to actually make time for this but those things are the things that are are our emotions and the real fears and the real reasons that we don't do it hide in as excuses So like the, the, I don't have time excuse. It's like, all right, we spend, we throw away little chunks of 10 minutes, five minutes, two minutes all day long. (laughs) So, okay. You're telling me you don't have time. Bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of my favorite, especially when it comes to feeling. I had a client say, what if I don't have time to feel like I'm like, you're what? Like you don't have 90 seconds to just like allow an emotion to process through your body. No, but I, like, mean, I get it. I've done it yeah. too. I'm like, I sit down, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to just like process. And I'm like, you know what? I got to get up and like, go put the load of laundry in, you know? <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. And, and like this, I say this all the time, like it's simple stuff, but it's right. extremely challenging. Yes. The simple stuff is like the most challenging because yeah. everything so else. Yes. <laughs> And everything else is just a distraction, taking you away from like the work you really need to do, which is just figuring out how do you get to the bottom of yourself unfolding and being vulnerable in any given moment. Everything else is going to be more tempting than silence and stillness and... (laughs) 
like, can be very tempting. It always is. Yes. The <laughs> amount of times I've been like, all right, I'm meditating. And then three minutes later, I've abruptly stood up and started oh doing gosh. something else is like, you know. Oh. I mean, it happens all the time. And, you know, I love sharing that, like, you know, coach to coach. It's like, we are also in the work doing these practices. Like we will never sit and be like, oh, I have this perfected. I did just this morning. I had like a conversation with my husband about, you know, things that have been coming up in my mind about, you know, the first month of having a newborn. Right. Mm -hmm. And I sat down with my journal, started writing out. And then next thing I know, I'm on unroll me unsubscribing from all these junk emails. Which is a great practice, <laughs> but not quite what you set out to do. So funny because I literally was like, oh my, like 20 minutes went by. And I, and then I grabbed my journal and I sat down and I wrote about how I was distracting myself from addressing the thoughts of how, because I didn't want to address how I felt. Cause there was like, you know, there was a lot of difficult emotions coming up from my thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I share that because it's like, this work is ongoing and it's a practice and no one has it perfected because we have human brains and our human brain is just always trying to protect us. Yeah. And it's like, no problem. I can sit down with a client and dive into their deepest stuff you know, like it's right. nothing. And then it's like, all right, time to do your stuff. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. I'm that human too. I'm that human right. too with that res- resistance. But mm-hmm. the resistance holds less and less and less power the more I can just sit with myself. And I I, I really like to use the physical sensations in the body as the channel to get there. Like I do this with myself all the time i start to feel attention for me my my area is like my stomach i get a little nervous in my stomach and the the default reaction to that is like okay let me do something else and be busy on top of that or let let, let me let me try to treat that by being productive because like that underlying belief is like, I'm not doing enough. There's something else I should be doing. And that's, that's sort of the core of that anxiety. Um, But everything you do on top of that just sits on top of that. Like you're not actually getting to it unless you sit down. um, And I like to imagine that I'm actually breathing into that space. Just anything that gives it an actual spaciousness into which it can unfold a little bit instead of piling stuff on top of it. Um, You know, it's like a knot kind of untying itself. You have to try to loosen it a little bit. Sometimes I imagine uh, surrounding it in water and that that can kind of loosen it. And you can have these um, very evocative visualizations associated with that. And then you can kind of translate that feeling into your body. And the feeling itself will start to shift and change shape. Like it will feel looser, maybe not at first. If you keep, if you stay in that brain space of, I have to fix this, I have to get rid of this, ah, you're just contributing to the tightness. Um, So it's really about finding the how and like, cultivating the way of meeting yourself 
that has an openness, a spaciousness, a self-compassionate tone, um, and is also unhurried. We spend so much time rushing around. And there, there's, there's the time excuse right there. It's like, okay, you want to tell me for five minutes why you don't have the time to take five minutes? Um, okay. <laughs> right, right. And then, you know, just that simple call out, but it is, it is so fascinating because that is like that hidden obstacle. It's like what you hear is the excuse of, I don't have time, but it's like what's underneath is really what's keeping people stuck and in the same patterns. And often like when I get to the bottom of my resistance of like, okay, I'm trying to trying to journal, go back to that example, I get really excited. So I go on all these different threads and then I like lose the main nugget. But so, all right, so I want to spend five minutes a day journaling. When you, when you really like follow the chain of thought of like, here's all my reasons, here's all my bullshit. There's a lot of times there's like an angry little child who's just like, I don't want to just because, just because I don't want to. Okay. Like leave me alone. Yeah. So then, then when you're being honest with yourself about like, what really is that resistance? It's, it's just like maybe a desire to have control over, over your, your actions. Um, maybe it's a, <clears throat> for me, it's also, it's that, but it's also, uh, sort of a twisted, like, I don't want to do this thing that's going to help me. And then that's a really meaty spot to then offer that self-compassion. Okay, you don't want to do it. What if we just sat here for a couple minutes, didn't do anything? Well, okay, but I get to be grumpy about it. Okay, sure. Great. Be grumpy about it. Tell me how grumpy you are. You, you kind of just, instead of forcing yourself down a certain path, like open up to whatever is in there, like letting it unfold. Then, then you untie that knot. And then once you've kind of like, you can tell that you're really like meeting the resistance in a new way when it then starts to lessen and you notice, oh, now that I've sat with this this grumpy, I don't want to child for a little bit, they don't mind doing my activity. They recognize, oh, there's someone here who wants to help me and maybe I'm worth helping. Maybe it might work. Maybe, you know, it's like the the time and attention that you can give yourself or that someone like a coach can give you kind of inherently unwinds that unworthiness script because their their presence and their attention with whatever you're you're bringing up is is met with okay i'm here it you're demonstrating that they're worth it by taking the time every time we kind of rush around throw something else on top of it the implicit message is this isn't worth going there it won't work i don't have the time blah 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 and I love that, like that visual of like, you're just throwing stuff on top of it. It's like, just, it's like your laundry basket. It's like you do some more laundry and then you put it on there and then you don't put it away. And then you just keep piling it on and it just becomes like one big mess that you just want to avoid. And mm -hmm. it doesn't go anywhere. And I think that like, that is um, such a beautiful way of like talking about it. How, when you actually give it the space and time and you're not rushing 
to just get through it, it can actually loosen and you can feel that resistance kind of melt away. Uh, but I think that's a really, that's a really important point to bring up is like the rushing through it mm-hmm. or like the mentality of just checking it off a list. It's like, Oh, journaling is like really helpful. So I'm just going to rush through it and I'm just going to do it just to do it, but it's not actually allowing yourself that space to like sit and self-express and be in that, that space. So I love that you explained it like that, because I notice that all the time in my own life and as well when I'm working with clients and that teenager, right? Like then a little mm-hmm. teenager, right? no one likes to be told what to do. So if we're in our head being like, you have to do this, it's always going to be met with resistance. Like no one likes to be told what to do, even if it's from a place of love. And so finding that like different way of approaching it, like the way that you explained, mm-hmm. I think it is brilliant. Thank you. And coming from that place of love requires like not just forcing you through the task. It's showing the love even when you get the resistance. That's where the work is. That's where the meeting happens. Right, right. A thousand percent. In case you missed it, the doors to my signature coaching program, the Mind Over Matter Method, are officially open now through May 27th. This week, we are filling the last spots. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode where I dive into the program breakdown and all the magic that's included, make sure you go back to that episode so you can hear all of the details. Now, if you've been paying attention and following along and you're curious if this would be a good fit for you and you're on the fence, let's hop on a call. Now, in order to keep this program intimate, I'm only accepting 20 spots in the group coaching program. So make sure you grab your spots if you're feeling that tug on your heart and this is the program that you've been looking for. It is time to say hell yes to yourself and put your mind over matter. You mentioned about it not being like worth your time to do Mm -hmm. it. You know Mm -hmm. what? Even though we know it's like, we know the stuff that's going to help us. We know it's like, that's what coaching bridges the gap, but like, we know, you know, eating less sugar and unprocessed food and drinking water and getting enough sleep and doing these things we know, but then why do we resist the thing that's actually going to help us feel better right there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's totally those renegade emotions running the show. I mean, talk about not eating sugar, like, most of us have this default script that we act on where it's like, I feel uncomfortable. I'm going to comfort myself with some kind of food or I'm already burnt out and depleted. Let me just get a quick energy fix. And it's, it's this very delicious, like, but rebellious, like, fuck it. I don't care. I'm going to eat sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever that voice is. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I don't, yeah, it's totally the fuck it mentality, but it's like, why are the things that make us feel better? Like that's, you know, it's so fascinating. It's like, I know this is the thing that's going to help. So I'm going to go do the exact opposite and feel worse about myself. Yeah. And I think it's twofold. I think first of it, first of all, it's not addressing the underlying emotion that's magnetizing us towards the fuck it behavior. And then two, we're so depleted we're in such a generally like depleted place often, you know, by the end of the day, that's a lot of times when people make these bad decisions is like, 
you're tired. You've already been through a full day. I just worked nine to five. I, I did this. I did that. I'm just going to, we don't have the energy physically or emotionally to fight that battle, to, to meet that emotion because it's like, sorry, not at 7 PM. Like, <laughs> so it's, it's a it's a bit of a rebudgeting of of time and energy too and like trying to sometimes uh fight these battles quote unquote or create that spaciousness maybe practicing it at times of day where you have the energy like okay let's just set the goal of like what what do you do in the first five minutes after you wake up like let's investigate a difficult emotion there and then you will notice a maybe indirect but in some cases and and i've tuned my sensitivities to it a direct result of if i spend a few minutes earlier in the day meeting myself connecting with the reasons why i why i genuinely care about taking care of myself not eating the sugar not getting the quick fix and then later in the day i you get that little ping of like all right i'm gonna go eat some crap and then there's something else there too that's going, wait a minute, does this actually align with the person I said I wanted to be? And, and this might not all be happening like consciously and verbally, but the more you start to create these new pathways, the more it does happen consciously and you can directly see the results of the accumulation of these small behavioral changes. I love that so much. I mean, it is, you know, the more you practice it, the more that it will become just automatic, like questioning, like, wait, is this aligned with the person that I want to be? So, you know, as we're, we're talking, it's like so many of the obstacles that we face towards the goals and creating the life we want are unseen, mm-hmm. right? Like they're mostly emotional because <clears throat> emotions drive action. So without addressing the unseen, those emotions that we don't realize are driving the vehicle, it's really hard to create results or you might be able to create results like white knuckle, but it's harder to sustain them yes. because we fall back into old patterns. Yep. So what's yep. your strat- what's your strategy around that? So you know, know the obstacles. What is the way to make that lasting change so you can pursue your goals? Yeah. So the best example of this is exercising regularly. So let's say you have this goal of I want to lose 10 pounds because I think I'm a fat sack of shit. Like, you know, this is this is our reasoning. I don't want to look like a whale come bikini season, so I've got to get my ass in shape. You know, we that the goal comes from this very self-punishing fear place of I want to yeah. belong, I want to be accepted, and I'm trash if not. So, all right, we're going to white knuckle it. Let's let's go. Let's follow pathway A, the white knuckle path. Okay, so we go to the gym every day. We sweat it out. We beat ourselves up. We start to see results. We start to feel good about ourselves. Feeling good about ourselves now conflicts with the engine of motivation that we started with of yeah. well, I'm a fat sack of shit and I'm trash, but I'm also starting to feel good about myself. And then we can't keep utilizing that negative motivation because it starts to conflict with what we're seeing the results that we're seeing um and then and then we kind of just give up like there there's you're kind of like okay like i i look good enough i guess or what whatever and we give up and it's not sustainable um we sprinted towards a short-term goal and then 
you know, it falls off. But I think the sustainability comes from finding the right why. And that forces us to confront the emotional bullshit um, because you have to penetrate deeper than I don't want to look like a whale on the beach. You you have to get to like, I want to be healthier because it feels good in my body when I'm in shape or when I can lift this amount of weight or when I can do this without, um, you know, being out of breath. And that might not, you might not like beat yourself into going to the gym right away and, and doing the hardest workout of your life. But you're putting down like one brick on the side of like, I'm investing in myself. And then every time you put a brick down, you're building something. And that something doesn't just go away if you don't go to the gym one day. But the next day, you have to also wake up and remember why you're doing this. Oh, because I want to feel good. And I know if I don't do this, I won't feel good. Um, and then that motivation yeah, it doesn't have as, as like impactful of a short-term result. But in the long-term, it continues to be aligned with the version of yourself that is taking those steps to get better. Yeah, I mean, nailed it. It's totally all about that delayed gratification, like the compounding of taking these, mm-hmm. these small steps. And, like, and like we're not supported societally by but like this. No. This is very delayed. hard. We're, the latest gratification not is very challenging. We live in a world of instant gratification, uh, and and it just like it's at our fingertips. So it really does challenge our brain to sit with that and be okay with not getting the instant result that we all want so badly, um, mm-hmm. and know that it's coming. Like I have a client that I was just working with, and. I love her so much because she like can feel the shift, but she wants it now. Like she gets Mm -hmm. so frustrated that it's not happening right now. And I'm like, just imagine this tiny shift that you felt in six weeks, give it another six weeks then give it another six weeks. So sometimes it's like, I've noticed if you just break it down into smaller chunks and you're like, okay, you made it to this six weeks, let's just focus on these next. And then it like builds and builds and builds. And then you start really feeling invested in that delayed gratification, but it's, it's challenging. That's why people like give up on any of the habits that they're like, tried it once, didn't work. It's like, okay. Like if a, if a baby just tried to walk for the first time and fell down and then didn't get back up again, they'd be like, well, walking just really not for me, you know, like, fuck it. I'm just going to have a cigarette and a donut. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going (laughs) to lay here like a potato for the rest of my life. We wouldn't be walking human beings. Like if we, as babies just didn't just gave up after falling one time, you know, it's like so fascinating. We just forget that like we're born with that and we lose touch with it. I think, you know, listening to you and hearing, you know, how you work through all of this with your clients, it's like that remembering of like how things were when it wasn't so complicated. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I think that the, what we talked about earlier is also so key to this of like being with yourself in your body and slowing down because Mm -hmm. if you're present in a body that doesn't feel good, like that's when you can more clearly like implement a result, implement a strategy that, you know, has a live result of like, oh, I feel better in my body and I'm 
cultivating this long-term relationship with myself where something happens, I sense it, and then I react appropriately uh, instead of the piling stuff on top and the running away and the never getting still or silent. We're always ourselves every moment of every day, but like we work so hard sometimes to avoid it. Um, right. And and then then where are we? We wake up tomorrow with just a little bit, a bigger pile. <laughs> right, a bigger laundry pile. And it's just, it's it's never ending if we if we don't address it. Yeah. I mean, you just nailed it. It is slowing down and just being with yourself. Like it is, there's nothing more simple than that. You know, if, when yep. people want to feel better and they want to, you know, reach their goals and set goals, not from a place of lack, not from a place of scarcity or trying to like, you know, bully your way into changing, but really from that place of compassion and, and love, you know, that's, that's the answer. And it is so simple. And that's why I think people just write it off because it is so simple. They're like, no, 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 no. It has to be way more complicated. It has, it has to, to be, be complicated. It has to be way, sexy. I have yeah. to beat myself up. <laughs> I, have to beat myself up. <laughs> I need to be mean the whole entire time. Um, yeah, no, it, it is so simple. So I'm, I'm, I'm so curious about how like singing and being a pop star like has tied into all of this work because before we hit record you were you know telling me that you've been singing for a long time but you didn't start to quote unquote take it serious until you know the past couple of years and I stopped your Instagram and I listened to you sing and I was like oh my god I'm first of all so envious because if I had your voice, I would go to every karaoke bar and just like <laughs> fuck shit up. Like I love singing. I love karaoke yeah. um, and just performing, um, which is wild because I didn't used to be that way. Hmm. Um, and I was listening. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. What a cool like talent to have and had to integrate that into what you do as a life coach. So tell me a little bit how this like all ties together. Yeah. So this is the area of my life where I'm really doing the work live. Um, because this, my voice singing, performing, that is really intimately connected to shame and fear and this, this unworthiness script for me, because it was something that was so, mocked, rejected, ignored when I was small. Um, and so I am every day confronting this, like myself at this very raw, very deep level. And I have, you know, pretty much once a week of crisis of faith where I'm like, burn it all, you know, and <laughs> which is not a terrible thing sometimes. <laughs> no, it's fine because you have to, sometimes you have to let go you have to burn certain aspects of it. Like you have to burn expectations you had for yourself at the beginning when you started of what you think this is going to look like and how you think it's going to feel and sound and what people are going to say. Um, you And you also have to be really connected to your why. And for me, the why that keeps fuel in the tank, even when I am at my absolute like last straw, is I have this um, ability that I've cultivated over many years and much pain to understand people and their emotions really well. 
and to um, express myself in a raw way and, you know, vocally. And, and recently I put the piece together of, okay, how do you write a song? Now, now I understand how to do that. That was something I struggled with for decades and thought I would never do. So I feel in a lot of ways, it's, it's my purpose. It's my imperative to like combine those things and put it out there so that other people can understand their own feelings on this very uh, connected plane of music. I mean, music is something that touches pretty much everyone. Um, and it, it, it's like a way that we can feel these raw expressions, um, you know, on an energetic, emotional level, but also lyrics. We have these verbal tools. Um, and getting stuck in someone's head as a life coach is a little harder than getting stuck in someone's head as a pop artist. <laughs> so, I mean, it's so, it's so interesting. It's so true. Cause it is like, I mean, I remember songs from like freaking the nineties. I know every single word, but I don't know what I had for breakfast. So. Yep. Yep. <laughs> if you had a jingle, if you made up a jingle about what you ate for breakfast, I bet you would remember it. <laughs> totally. Eating some eggs, eating some <laughs> eggs, and I'm burning some toast. Right? Oh yeah, I had eggs and toast. And eggs and toast. I'm, I mean, I do sing a lot of songs. Maybe that's why I do sing. Like I'll make up songs at anything. Like I'll be like walking through the house, and it's totally why it helps yep. me remember. It's great. It's yeah. amazing. Um. So yeah, it's. I have to disconnect that purpose from my ego bullshit of well, I'm really scared to do this and someone might reject me and, well, I'm not going to be as big or reach as many people as I want to to make this worth my time. You know, all this pride, all this fear, all this shame, all this BS that really just stands in my way of I want my music to connect with people. <laughs> right. Like it's so simple. And then the ego loves to just come in and be like, I'm here to mess everything up. Like mm -hmm. your why is so clear. And then it just, and this is for anyone that sets a really big goal, you know, in their own life, it, Oh, like that you can almost guarantee it's going to happen. And you almost want to expect it because then that can show you the, the stuff to work through. It's like an invitation. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, this stuff is so intimately connected into those fundamental unworthiness scripts and my depression and my suicidal ideation because these impulses of mine were so uh, rejected that it was like I, I now as an adult still default to those pathways of if I shine through music or put myself out there and it's wrong to somebody, then I should die. Like that pathway is very uh, worn in for me. And I have to remember that that trick is happening, even though I'm feeling all the feelings of that and I'm believing it. Um, and that's where that mindfulness comes in of like, oh yeah, I'm automatically sending myself down this path when I really should I mean, even just talking about it now, I feel so much more tension in my body than I did 10 minutes ago in this conversation. And so I go, I would go back to like, okay, I feel this sense in my stomach, this clinging, this grasping, this need to be someone or somewhere other than me right now on my purpose, doing my thing. Um, and the best thing I can do to serve myself is 
show myself that I can be with this fear. It's tolerable. I'm, it makes sense that it's here. And my why is more important. And I'm not going to abandon myself in the ways that I was abandoned in the past. So we're just going to take as much time as we need to put it out there and do the thing. Um, and, and if that goes poorly, I'll be with myself then too. And, and, you know, you enlist other people too, who, um, who really feel loving and supporting and, and our relationships are such reinforcers of either the things that we're trying to get away from or can help us, uh, you know, evolve to, to the people we want to be. Because when we, another consequence of having these unprocessed emotions running the show is like, then we attract people into our life who mirror those old circumstances. Like I had a, a manager who was, you know, basically my mom in a different skin, undermining my self-trust and my confidence and sabotaging me. And I had to do the work of like, I see what this is. <laughs> I'm no longer willing to stomach it. I'm, I'm worth and can continue without this person. Oh, so fascinating. Even bring that up. And thank you for sharing that and, and kind of like walking through how you could feel it by just generating those types of thoughts, how mm -hmm. that again, triggered the emotion in your body. But because you're so familiar with the work, you're able to be able to be present with it. And like, that is like, you just gave the whole example of everything that we've basically been talking about for the past hour or so. Mm -hmm. I'm living it, guys. I'm living it. <laughs> living it. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. So is this like how you overcame that, that time in your life where you did have suicidal ideation and you were um, experiencing depression? Is like the work that we've been talking about, has that been kind of your main modality to work through it? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I could have done it without a large swath of very different things. Um, I had therapists who I was able to trust. I've been on and off of different medications, different recreational drugs that have really helped me find spirituality. Um, I've read books, I've written stuff, I've made art, I've made songs, I've mm -hmm. just expelled stuff. I've cried, I've sat there, I've thought about dying, all of those things in some ways equally have just gotten me to the next moment where I'm able to do a little better. Um, and so I don't want to like devalue any of them as pieces of the puzzle. And each little thing that you can unlock or just tolerate or just get to the next moment can create a shift. And I go in and out of my self-belief and in and out of these different emotional states that feel the same, that tap on all the same uh, neural pathways that send me down those loops. But okay, the best way to love myself in those moments is not forcing myself to smile and go, I'm fine, everything's great, dee, dee, dee. The best thing I can do in those moments to love myself and be with myself is just be like, yeah, this really sucks right now. This really sucks right now. So what can we do to make it a little less uncomfortable. Maybe it's curl up under a blanket. Maybe it's call a friend. Maybe it's watch TV. Let's just get to the next moment. And then when we're there, we'll decide what the next best thing is. That ability to be present. Yeah. That's 
that's the that's the answer just to be <laughs> yeah. present, be okay with how many ways can we say it guys <laughs> i know seriously. Well, and i love this conversation so much and we're here i'm like i knew i knew our talk I'm like yeah okay we're gonna talk for 30 minutes okay Brittany. LOL. like uh, lol but uh my my word of 2022 is stillness and mm. uh you know, as we're recording this, it's the beginning of the year and I have yet to have baby. When you're listening to this episode, baby will be very much in my life. <laughs> um, but I had like that. I know this next season is going to like turn my world upside down, like in the best way possible. But I also am not romanticizing. <laughs> I know it's going to be hard and there are so many distractions. And even throughout pregnancy, I have been present, but I've also been very distracted. And it's like this, you know, this, um, this to dance of like being with it and then not, and like ebbing and flowing in and out. And I really made this commitment with myself to just be in it, like to be okay with all of the discomfort that comes up. And sometimes there are going to be things that I do need that I would, would prefer to distract myself from in that moment. And that's okay too, but also making that commitment to come back to myself and address whatever it is when I feel safe and ready to, because yeah, sometimes in the moment, it's just like, let me just get to the next moment. And then, but having the consciousness to come back when you do feel safe. And sometimes, you know, that requires a therapist, a coach, a safe space, to, to do that and to process, but my word of the year is stillness is presence. And like, so I'm like, this is just such a great conversation because it really just comes back to that essence of being a human, like to experience Mm -hmm. being a human and being a part of the human experience is truly about presence. It's like, this is it. Like we're not here for a long time. So we have to really make that conscious effort to just be in it or else we wake up and we're like, where did it all go? Mm -hmm. So Thank you, Morgan, for sharing all this. I love this conversation. We're definitely at time, but there's just so many good juicy nuggets. And I just appreciate you so much. And it's so fun to connect with other life coaches. And I, I just nerd out on this kind of stuff. You know, like <laughs> it is just yeah. so much fun. So I'm like right there with you. And it's just the best conversation to have. And um, it's like such good reminders, even as a coach to hear someone else, like kind of regurgitating what I believe. And it just, it's a beautiful exchange. So thank you. Thank um, you. So much fun. Um, so tell me, yeah. you know, what, uh, where can people find you? What do you have coming up? Share all the deeds. Yeah. Okay. So um, as a coach, my website is morganbeard.coach pretty easy my name and what i do and then um for my music that is i am money.com that's i a m m u u n i e.com but do you, money money yeah that is my artist name because Ooh. that was my very early childhood nickname before i could say morgan ah, um <laughs> oh my gosh my childhood name was bicky and my, my sister and my niece still call me that. So if I was a pop artist, maybe I would be Vicky. Oh my God, I love that so much. Yeah, I, I didn't realize until trying to do this in adulthood that people have a hard time saying money because I didn't know that because everyone in my world said it all the time. Yeah, so, money. You know, oh well. <laughs> I am money. No, I'm so here for it. I And I love the meaning because it's like you're tapping into this part of yourself that you discovered as a child. Oh my God, I have the chills. Oh, I love oh. it. That's so cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, that's my social handles as well. I'm Instagram is kind of my biggest presence. Um, okay. I am money on that as well. And yeah, I am uh, going to be releasing my debut EP. So my first like body of work as a musician. Um, that's going to be uh, the full things coming out on May 27th. The the first three songs will already be out. Um, and so yeah, you'll be able to stream them everywhere and Yes. follow me and do all the things it's going to be a visual ep too so music videos for the whole thing it's basically a, a short film about like my personal transformation that's yeah. so badass amazing so i'll make sure all of that is linked in the show notes so we'll be on spotify itunes or apple music all, all the stuff the, yep. all the stuff Amazing. Well, I look forward to listening to it and following along on your journey. Uh, is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap up? Just gratitude. Just gratitude for you and this conversation and so much fun and smiling and good energy. And yeah, yeah, yeah such a blast. I knew I like I said, my intuition as soon as I saw your <laughs> name, I was like, yeah, like next question, you know, <laughs> like there's just certain people that like, you don't have to know them to be like, I know you maybe from a past life yep. or something else. But um, yeah, that's, I, I knew this conversation would just be so wonderful. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your stories and uh, just all, all of the things. Like, I just yeah. can't wait to come back and listen to this episode. Um, my last question for you mm-hmm because, you know, we talked a lot about like purpose Mm -hmm. and like what I focus on is helping people live a purpose-driven life. So what does that mean to you? Yeah. So it's interesting because I have always been very fixated on what is my purpose. And I I do think that a big uh, underlying cause of depression uh, for myself and other people is is lacking purpose or, or lack of clarity on purpose. And also what I'm struggling with right now is I've often been a little too purpose driven, like putting every bit of my self worth in as like, I define that by my purpose, by my work, by my career. So it's it, a purpose, living a purpose driven life is like kind of right now for me about balance, like having that purpose, having clarity about it and, and using it as motivation and fuel, but not pedal to the metal all the time. Like knowing that the most important thing that's necessary to drive that purpose is taking care of myself so that I can actually (laughs) unfold into my purpose. So some of it is also like some of it is, you know, the self-driven stuff, but some of it is really relaxing and trusting that it's going to happen. The wheels are in motion. Mm -hmm. So I just show up as my best self as often as I can. (laughs) Yes. I love that. As often as I can. And like, it is, it's all like, you detaching from it's like having the drive and feeling like motivated and inspired. And usually, you know, when you know what your purpose is, you have clarity, there is such flow. So knowing that when that flow is happening, you can detach from everything else and just like, let it naturally happen. So uh, love that answer. So great. Thank you again so much for your time. This was so much fun. Agreed. Ditto. Oh my goodness. That was such a fun conversation. I just knew it. I knew when 
Morgan Beard's name came into my inbox that we were meant to connect. It was just a knowing. It's this it's this deep feeling of connection before you meet someone. Definitely knew that girl in a past life. So excited to follow along with her journey. I think this episode it needs to be listened to over and over again of just why and how we get in our own way. And when you do, to know that there's nothing wrong with you and there's typically – unprocessed emotions that just need to be loved on and addressed. And I loved the way that Morgan approached it. And as you know, this month I'm really honing in on goal setting. And this is the, like the root of why we don't achieve our goals. These are the obstacles, the unseen obstacles that get in our way of pursuing and creating the life that we want. And I just love that we started the conversation with creation. Like if you are setting goals, you're creating a life for yourself that doesn't exist and you have to believe in that life. But before you even get there, you got to do the work to undo all of that yucky, messy, but beautiful, hidden junk that we have to clear up to get there. And that's what this work is all about. And it's so much fun. It is so much fun. And she's a testament of this work. I'm a testament of this work. And I love talking to coaches that are very real about doing it in real time, because that's what this is all about. You know, every level that you get to in life, you're going to experience new challenges and obstacles. And when you have these tools, you can approach it and embrace it with open arms, no matter how uncomfortable it is. Oh my gosh. So, so, so good. So a lot of the stuff that we actually talked about today, I dive into in the mind over matter method. And I just, it's so affirming to talk to another life coach because it just, it just aligns. It just gets it, you know, really touch on joy and finding flow and creative or using our creative energy to have fun and enjoy ourselves in the process. And we use our emotions. We don't ignore them. We process the quote unquote good and the bad emotions. And we allow those emotions to be present and not all consuming so we can create what we want in our life because emotions drive action. Emotions drive us into the results that we get. And the reason why this is so important to goal setting is because most people just focus on taking action before checking in with how they're feeling. And that's what we do in the mind over matter method. And as you know, enrollment has already begun. And I would love, love, love to have these conversations with you and help you create your amazing life, help you become a conscious creator of your life and dive into these topics even more. So if you want to learn a little bit more, there's information in the show notes, of course, but we can also hop on a call. I'd love to just chat with you. Um, Doors are closing very soon. Um, The next group starts in June. So I would just love, love, love to have the opportunity to connect with you and see what you want to create in your life. So keep that in mind. All right. We're here, here for you to help elevate and expand and welcome. Welcome all the things, the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs and the in-between. And we're not meant to do this alone. Let me tell you, my friend, we are not meant to do this alone. All right. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and a great week. Until next time, remember to love yourself, own your happiness, and always let your light shine because you are so worthy. You're so worthy and deserving of it just because you're you and you're alive. Until next time.